Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There is no evidence of any kind of Ukrainian uh, bioweapons laboratory. But if, you know, there are research laboratories uh, everywhere. If you're doing research on smallpox, if you're doing research on another disease, you know, that is the, what virtually every civilized nation does. Could somebody take that, take over that, and a, 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 a virus that is you're looking into research could it then be let out into the wild i think that's a possibility you know i on this story i read the debunking before i got to the before i heard the bunking so it kind of took the funny fun out of it. it's like a hearing the score of a close overtime game before you watch the game it kind of takes I, I i i i read the debunking first but what was the bunking that was going on over like the last 48 hours what were some people claiming well, for instance, Alex Jones on InfoWars on February the 24th published a story headlined, Russian strikes targeting U.S.-run biolabs in Ukraine? Question mark. Article highlighted a tweet thread uh, by a now-suspended account, which tweeted about supposed evidence proving the U.S. does, in fact, have biolabs in Ukraine. And uh, what was, what, what was, what is the, like, inf- implied conclusion to that that therefore well the evil ukrainians with help from the united states government is creating bioweapons and uh, presumably putin is only legitimately uh, concerned about targeting them and taking them out and if indeed there's a, a bio attack uh, in ukraine it's uh, one of those evil american labs that that let it loose now, we just read some polling from the Wall Street Journal that only 4% of Americans have a positive view of Putin. Is it all 4% of, the, of those people that are, that are into this? Because you'd almost have to have a positive view of Putin to, well, he's just defending himself. Look, we have bioweapon labs over there, and Ukraine's in on it. Right, right. And Tucker Carlson, in a piece adopted from his show, adapted from a show, rather, uh, writes, someone needs to explain why there are dangerous biological weapons in Ukraine. Well, there is, pursuant to a 2005 agreement between the U.S. and Ukraine that's titled Concerning Cooperation in the Area of Prevention of Proliferation of Technology, Pathogens, and Expertise that Could Be Used in the Development of Biological Weapons, there are scientific programs hoping to to prevent that sort of thing and be able to deal with it. Um but the idea that there some sort of rogue programs making bioweapons is insane. Yeah, but wow, I still just can't wrap my head around this. Uh, what's so T- Tucker Carlson, which we mentioned as a cable news show, really only because it's the number one cable news show in in the world. I mean, it is by far the most watched. He was really big on this story last night, and with the nobody ever really states out loud the conclusion. So. The conclusion should be, so therefore, Putin's doing the right thing and I'm on his side? Or the conclusion is, so we should stay out of it? I don't, I don't quite get where they're going. Or is it just exciting conspiracy stuff that you don't really get to a conclusion? And we're up to evil, too? I don't know. Um, the statement by the U.S. Embassy, for what it's worth, and I know a lot of you reject, or a very few of you will reject this on its face and go ahead, but... 
They explained that the U.S.-Ukraine partnership is part of the Biological Threat Reduction Program, which, quote, works with the Ukrainian government to consolidate and secure pathogens and toxins of security concern in Ukrainian government facilities while allowing for peaceful research and vaccine development. So I, we're, we're not involved in manufacturing bioweapons. Could we Why that? would we? Could we hear that Marco Rubio clip about this uh, from yesterday? We heard from Senator Warner, who is the chair of the Intelligence Committee. That's who we just heard from a little bit ago. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. A bio-research facility is a totally different thing than a bio-weapon facility because you could have samples of a deadly or, you know, serious pathogen, but that doesn't mean you could weaponize it or you're working on weaponizing it. So, you realize, those of you who are on the side of I don't know what you're on the side of. Why don't you just text me what you're on the side of, those of you who are texting all this angry stuff about. And I, you're a tiny population. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I think you're wrong and actually a little disturbed. So uh, I'm not I'm not that. I'm just interested in the psychology of the crowd that's into this. What is your ultimate conclusion, that Putin is not a bad guy? Or he's a bad guy, but so is Ukraine, so should we stay out of it? I'm just, I'm not quite following here. Well, I'll tell you this. Jennifer Jennifer Griffin of Fox News is a great reporter. She is whip smart. She's super experienced. She is a skeptic. She is not anybody's dupe. Okay. She went on Hannity last night to say this whole thing is crap. Well, it is crap. That's why she said that. Yeah. Yeah. You realize, though, if you're in that crowd, that you're like doing work for Putin. He's trying to sow the seeds around the world of this story so that when he unleashes chemical weapons on men, women, and children, do you, did you ever see the videos from Syria, what that does to people? He's going to do that to people as he depopulates cities. Uh, he's going to do that to people and then claim that it was the Ukrainians or the United States, and you're helping him get away with it? So what is the deal there? Yeah, I, I know. It's ugly. It's ugly and it's crazy. And, and and for what it's worth, we are guys who are howling that 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 we have to be able to con, to uh, consider the Wuhan lab leak theory and the idea of silencing that sort of thing was evil. You just this is well, I don't I don't feel any need. I, I don't even want to give it the air it takes to refute it, honestly. Right. It's so nuts and so weak and so useful to Putin so that when he does cause little children's lungs to burn out and they die, he'll have some cover. Sick. Yeah, well, obviously, at the very highest levels of the government yesterday, they felt they needed to take this story on, as, as you heard right there. Um, but well, it's because it is you know, part of the war, especially in the modern world, with Twitter and social media of all kinds, uh, the, the information war is huge. And most people feel like Ukraine has been dominating Russia in the information war. You don't want Russia to get a win on this whole chemical weapon thing. It's the whole, the, the, the lie makes it around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. The truth was, was trying to get its shoes on yesterday before this catches on. The number of people have said, hey, guys, love the show. Just, I'm wondering, I keep hearing this. And Tucker, I mean, people that, you know, just kind of following the mm-hmm. story. Who, who heard about this? And that will help give... Putin cover when he 
murders people with chemical weapons. Oh, and uh, one thing we left out, I left out, is that the, the other great player in spreading this story is the Chinese Communist Party. Their uh, their foreign ministry spokesperson is trying as hard as they can to spread those claims. Um, so, well, you're in great company. China is asshole. The information war is a completely all all, all wars change with technology over time. You know, uh, the the weapons on the ground are completely different than they were a hundred years ago. But man, even even just like twenty years ago, the information part of warfare. Is it's just a brand new world. I hope we have the best people on it. Yeah, I, I do too. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of that sort of thing, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky did a uh, interview with a German newspaper, and he said uh, all Putin's talk about nuclear stuff is a, is a bluff. He said nothing else is working for him, so he's going with that. Uh, let's see what else did he say. I hope you're right. Uh, I think that threat of nuclear war is a bluff. It's one thing to be a murderer. It's another to commit suicide. Uh, Every use of nuclear weapons means the end for all sides, not just for the person using them. Putin's threat shows a weakness. You only threaten the use of nuclear weapons when nothing else is working. I'm sure that Russia is aware of the catastrophic consequences of any attempt to use nuclear weapons. Yeah, but practically anybody can end up suicidal if you're in in a desperate, hopeless enough situation. And Putin might be feeling like he's in a desperate, hopeless situation. How could he possibly emerge from this, still in power, and uh, have any any hope for the future of Russia while he's still in charge. It seems as close to impossible as anything could be. I, I will concede there's probably a way that could happen, but I don't. I can't see what it is. I can't in imagine Br- it. In Bremer tweeted out yesterday. He said these sanctions will not go away as long as Putin's in char- in charge. I think that's probably true. So right. he's doomed. He is doomed. So a doomed guy could get suicidal. Get him uh, Jeffrey Epstein's island. Let him keep one yacht, one or two mistresses, tops, and a billion bucks. Get out of town. Well, obviously, I don't care if he commits suicide. It's the you know, it's the unfortunate suicide guy that decides to uh, take people with him, and you hope he doesn't want to do that on a global scale. By the way, it's now three hundred and thirty some U.S. companies that have pulled out of Russia. That's a lot of companies. Everything from Kentucky Fried Chicken to Visa. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Much more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, but it's not just restaurants. Philip Morris, the maker of Marlboro cigarettes, just announced plans to scale down operations. That's tough because in Russia, cigarettes make up 90% of the food pyramid. <laughs> you know you messed up when even tobacco companies are like, we can't be associated with you. <laughs> Those are both good jokes. Those yeah. are both good jokes from uh, James Fallon there. Uh, yeah, that'd be one of the 330 companies that are not going to do business with Russia anymore. Yeah, interesting. Ah, uh, somebody's cue speaker's on. Hanson, turn off your cue speaker, idiot. Um, anyway, ah, uh, so well, that was uh, a little harsh. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. So I'm, I'm taking a look at the email, uh, following up on the whole uh, bioweapons Alex Jones thing, and and um, and it's exactly the people I would expect to be emailing angrily because they always have that sort of take, that worldview, on like every topic. Right. That's just, why it's I'm, obviously a personality type. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a it's um, uh, 
it's a yeah, it's a uh, psychological thing or personality type rather than the individual story. Right, right. How interesting. Anyway, speaking of worldviews and how that twists your perception or not, um, reading this this piece in uh, Vice, vice dot com, one of America's largest tent cities now has almost one thousand residents, and it's in Phoenix. And they talk about how a couple hundred people experiencing homelessness, as they put it in this article, has turned into 400, 500. Now it's about 1,000 people. Yeah, I was talking to my mom yesterday, and they live outside of Phoenix this time of year because they're uh, doing old people spring break. And uh, the weather is gorgeous. I think this tent city is going to get taken care of right about June, isn't it? Without having to do anything. They do mention that, yes, the population of the tent city tends to decline in the summertime. God, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. But here's the interesting part of this. They say, they state unequivocally, the camp more than doubling in size over two years may be a testament to how bad Phoenix housing crisis has become. And and there are challenges in Phoenix. Uh, It's a crazy hot real estate market. Uh, That's not why people are living in tents. Well, so I'm scanning here. We could count paragraphs if you want. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's certainly 20 or so paragraphs. It's a longish story. Not once, not a single time does the word drugs come up in this article. Not a single time does drug addiction factor into the article. How many of y'all listening would ever end up living in a tent before you would just find the cheapest place to live possible? Somewhere in America, different town, different state, whatever you got to do. Or get a roommate, rent a single room in a home, something like that. I'm I'm going to lay in a tent and do meth. I'm not saying it's 0% of the people that end up in tents has to do with they can't find it. But you'd, you'd, you'd go to, it's always the most expensive cities in the, in the, like in the world, practically. San Francisco, certainly most expensive areas in America. Don't live in Phoenix. Live in a much cheaper town. I always, I always use the example of, I wanted to live in, I'm from rural Kansas. I wanted to live in Kansas City, the big city for those of us in rural Kansas. I lived there for a while. I couldn't afford it. I moved back to rural Kansas because I couldn't afford it. I didn't decide, well, I'm committed to being here in the city. So I guess I'll go live on the corner or in a tent or something rather than go to a cheaper town. Right. Right. My dad happens to live in Surprise, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. I'm telling you, you could go to Surprise and rent a room in somebody's house for nothing. Some oldster on a fixed income that needs a little extra money. Oh, please. Easy. You know, I'm arguing against a straw man, though. I really am, because that's not what's going on. It's right. drug addicts. Yeah. Drug addicts yep. who have ruined their lives and are okay with living in a tent and doing drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't even admit that it's even a small factor. The whole thing is about just how hard it is to get housing and how, how expensive will, in Phoenix. How long will it take to turn that around, that perception? I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of activists who are profiting from the homeless industrial complex and unicorn riders who just cannot grasp reality. They have this extremely academic classroom, dewy-eyed fairies hopping from mushroom to mushroom view of, of humanity. Twice this week, twice this week, I've seen people giving cash to a drug addict sitting on the street. Do I know they're a drug addict? I, you know, I, I, do, a, I do a urine test on every bubble <laughs> I see in the corner. Yep, by force he, if necessary. He tested positive for methamphetamine. Now, you, you know, you can tell the teeth, the skin, the jaw. They're drug addicts. 
What do you think you're doing handing them a couple of bucks? How do you think you've improved their lives in any way? Getting them a cheap fentanyl pill. Especially around where I live where they've got so many homeless services if they want them. Sure, sure. In a related story that's not a related story, according to Vice, fentanyl use has surged across Washington State at an alarming rate. According to a new survey from University of Washington, among people surveyed at syringe services sites last fall, that's a phrase that didn't exist when I was a kid, 42% said they'd used the synthetic opioid in the previous three months. 42%. That's up from 18% two years ago. Potentially deadly trend. Fentanyl-involved deaths more than doubled in King County last year, reaching 388. Meanwhile, the county set a record in 2021 for total drug and alcohol overdose deaths with at least 709 and probably more. The prior record was 200 fewer just a couple of years ago. So people are doing these dangerous hard drugs like crazy and dying from it all over the place. But when you talk about the bum camps and the junkie camps, nobody wants to talk about drugs. And you know what's especially cruel about this? I've made this point before, but it's it's worth you know jotting down at least mentally. If you are willfully misdiagnosing a terrible illness because the real illness doesn't make you feel good. I mean, if you were a doctor doing that, you ought to be drummed out of the profession and thrown in jail. Failure to recognize that drug addiction is the uh, heart of the bum camps, the junkie camps, is incredibly cruel and selfish. Yeah. The support for Ukraine around the world because of racism? No, according to Ian Bremmer. We'll have that for you to kick off the next segment. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A massive column of Russian tanks and armoured vehicles being ambushed as they drove towards the northeast outskirts of Kiev. Driving on an open road, the Russians were heavily exposed and easy targets. Videos circulating online showed the Russian vehicles in flames. The Russians facing sustained artillery attacks by Ukrainian forces with tank after tank appearing to be destroyed. The Ukrainians claiming that two commanders were amongst those dead, although this can't be verified. Remember Mike Lyons telling us we haven't lost a tank in both Iraq wars or Afghanistan? He's amazed Russia has lost a tank. They lost a whole bunch of tanks in just that attack alone yesterday. And if you haven't seen the video, it is something. The The most amazing part of it, well, the, the good part of it is all the tanks being destroyed and, and dead Russian soldiers on the ground. And the fact the Ukrainians just laid waste, man. They, in that report right there, they interviewed one Ukrainian commander. He said, they said, uh, they, I don't know what they asked him, but he said, uh, here's the message. Stay out of Ukraine. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, they were laying in wait for those tanks and just, I wonder if we aren't giving them the pinpoint uh gps stuff that we claim we're not giving them or something because we just the ukrainians just seem to be laying waste to planes helicopters tanks all around the country i would guess that the efficiency of our communication is improving and um, finding ways around imperfections in the way we're helping them yeah hey let me throw in i take no delight in the idea of russian soldiers dying because I think there are a bunch of kids from the farm or or who are working at a shoe store or whatever got drafted into the Russian army and sent off on this horrific 
paranoid adventure by Putin. On the other hand, the only way to save 75,000 Russians from dying is probably for five or 10,000 to die. And it's, it's the horrifying calculus of an unjust war. Yeah, the latest numbers are five to 6,000 dead Russians in th- two weeks. I mean, you, if you extrapolate that out over months, you're going to have a crazy number. That The Russians have lost more soldiers than we lost in both Iraq wars and Afghanistan over 30 years. Wow. In wow. two weeks. And, and yet the situation for Ukrainians is terribly grim. Oh, terribly. yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. uh, going to get to uh, in a second of why th- it isn't racism that everybody's paying attention to this and the stakes are so high and all that sort of stuff for me and Bremer. But came across this. So this is one of the stories of the last 48 hours. Guys, did you see we've got we we're supporting bioweapons labs in Ukraine and Ukraine's in on it. A lot of that. Tucker Carlson was on this last night. Here's from our QAnon correspondent. And because I don't live in that world, I don't know this stuff. This is interesting. The bioweapons crap comes from Rumble.com and and and, and something called And We Know, the And We Know crowd. All right. See, this is all new to me. The And We Know QAnon crowd. My wife listens to the And We Know, and it's all BS. I hate that she lends them credit. They claim the weapons labs are hidden at Chernobyl, and there are 30 miles of underground U.S. bases. Putin is there to expose it and take down the New World Order crowd. He and Trump have all the proof. Oh, my God. Wow. Trump's involved with Putin in exposing this to the world is is the child had does the uh, child sex slavery ring have an outlet at chernobyl as well do they have like a, a satellite office there or at least a post office box are they involved still so there you go there's your explanation and again it's more about the psychology of people who want that to be true for some reason than right. it is the specifics right the idea that donald trump a real estate developer and TV host who had some really great policy ideas and didn't take talk down to middle America and got elected. That's the crazy notion. The reality is that he's some sort of God-anointed warrior against an international cabal of sex vampires. <laughs> That's the realist's view. In league uh, with Putin to do this. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. To bring down the 30 miles of U.S. bases under Ukraine? Why would Trump want to do that? I don't know. Presumably he knew about them during his four years in office, right? What? what who am I arguing with? What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, Ian Bremer took on the topic of the only reason people care so much about Ukraine is they're white and Christian. Or something. Yeah, various uh, nut jobs on MSNBC have p- been pitching that to narrative hard because that's all they have. I mean, that's oh, and, all they talk about all the time. Well, and what's her name that wrote the 1619 Project? And, you know, lots of different people. Right. Yes, the war in Ukraine deserves more attention than Syria or Afghanistan. Here's why from Ian Bremmer. It is day 15 of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it seems like all anyone can talk about in the country is this topic. And that's true. Uh, in a country that rarely cares about what happens ab- abroad, 84% of Americans say they are following the news about the war closely. 
Every time I hear that stat, I'm amazed. Not just are aware of it, following it closely. Yeah. 84%. Certainly, it's getting far more attention than the conflicts in Syria, Afghanistan, Yemen, or Palestine ever have. And then he goes through, claims by various people that it's racism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then to this. So, no, the main reason why the war is getting so much attention is not racism. It's because of the outsized impact it could have on global prosperity and peace. When the world's largest grain exporter attacks the fifth largest grain exporter in the world, when the world's largest gas exporter and the second largest oil exporter get cut off from global trade and and the financial system, the cumulative impact on everyone on the planet is so much more great, is so much greater than any amount of poverty, deprivation, and death that Syrians, Afghans, and Yemenis are experiencing. It doesn't take away from their suffering, but it makes it completely understandable that everyone in the world would pay more attention to Ukraine than to them. A second reason to care about this war stems from the fact that Russia is a military superpower. The risk of nuclear conflict between the United States and Russia poses an existential threat to all of us living on the planet. The same cannot be said of any other conflict or humanitarian crisis. The West is unequivocally at war with Russia. Ian's been on this every single day, and that people just need to come to terms with that. The West is at war with Russia. NATO countries may not be sending troops to Ukraine, but they are sending money, supplies, and weapons to help the Ukrainians more effectively kill invading Russians. They are imposing crippling financial sanctions with the stated purpose to decimate the Russian economy. They are trying to topple Putin's regime. Those are acts of war. Clearly they are. Interesting that you can uh, commit those obvious acts of war. If somebody was trying to topple our regime... Yes. We would be at war with them. So would any other country. Right. Right. Yeah, it's difficult to uh, work with that metaphor for me. I can't imagine who would want to topple us. Do you mean the United States or you and me? <laughs> no, no, no. I meant the United States. I thought you meant the, you know, the Armstrong and Getty regime. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we don't need any help toppling our regimes. We, we topple them every four years unless the people say, hey, we want the same regime. Then we keep the regime. That's the, that's the beauty of our system. Back to the fact that the West is at war with Russia, the biggest nuclear stockpile in the world. Western countries may think this is just indirect fighting, but the Kremlin doesn't see it this way. To them, these steps are as much acts of war against Russia as imposing a no-fly zone would be. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea, but we have to acknowledge that the potential for significant escalation, including cyber attacks, economic warfare, disinformation campaigns, proxy terrorism, and even direct military confrontation, makes this an incredibly dangerous environment for the whole world. To be clear, I'm not in any way predicting World War III. I don't think it's imminent. No, that's not. You know, so you don't think it's imminent. I don't even think it's close, but I recognize it's possible and much more likely than it was a month ago. Absolutely true. Yeah, that's just good, clear-headed writing. Not, it's okay to lay out facts without being, you know, deliberately trying to lead somebody to a certain conclusion. Are Ukrainians more deserving of sympathy than Syrians, Afghans, and other victims of conflict? No. Does the war in Ukraine matter more for the world than those other conflicts? Yes, and by a long shot. Given the stakes, it would be inconceivable and indeed irresponsible for us not to spend most of our time focusing on this crisis. Right, which just goes to show you how absolutely devoid of any logic, how idiotic the MSNBC take is on this, at least the opinion hosts like Joy Reid, for instance. It would be irresponsible to not give it more attention. Yeah, God dang it. You can be horrified at what was happening to the Syrians 
But that's over, and Bashar al-Assad is still in power, and it hasn't had any effect on you whatsoever. This will fill up with gas today. This will have an effect on every man, woman, and child on the planet. I don't think, is that an exaggeration? I don't think so. Right. Another example might be the conflict in Beirut, which has raged on and off now my entire lifetime. Uh, Beirut was the the, the Paris of the, uh, what do they call it? The Paris of the the Black Sea or something. Not the Black Sea, but um, uh, people would sip uh, martinis and and watch uh, sophisticated movies. Uh, They they would uh, surf and and swim and, and throw grand soirees and go to the art gallery and that sort of thing. But then sectarian violence took it over and it became a slaughterhouse. And, you know, the world paid a fair amount of attention to it, but it, you know. It wasn't obsessive because it wasn't quite as geopolitically pivotal as, as the thing in Ukraine is. But I think Ian Bremmer made the case beautifully. Oh, hey, one angle of this that I thought was crazy. I came across this in the New York uh, Post. Yeah, Russian troops are insisting that their real target is not Ukrainian Ukrainians. It's the U.S. A specific example, they opened fire on a Ukrainian man trying to flee his war-torn town. Uh... The Russian soldiers told him after they shot at him, we're not at war with Ukraine and Ukrainians. We're at war with the USA inside Ukraine. Yeah, I think that's the new talking point as Putin's trying to change, if not world opinion, just opinion in his own country. If he can make it a war against the United States for a population that has grown up being told that we're the enemy, he might he might you know have some political uh, backing. But if people see it as we're killing our brothers and sisters that we're all related to that speak practically the same language just over there, yeah, that doesn't work for him. He has to make it to be against us. The Americans are sponsoring the Nazis. Which is one of the arguments we're killing. Which is one of the arguments for not having a no fly zone, not having American troops there and everything like that, even though we'd like to help, is that he would be able to make that argument then. Look. As I've been telling you, as uh, as Khrushchev told you, as as, you've, as you've been told for a hundred years in this country, the United States has come to attack us. Right, right. Uh, we got a couple of emails on this theme, and I think it's fantastic. I apologize for uh, taking a, a break from the lovely bipartisanship that America has been enjoying on this topic, but as a couple of people have pointed out that uh, Putin's been watching uh, Antifa. If you claim to be fighting fascists or Nazis, the American media won't question it at all. Mm. They'll just accept it without any any intellectual exercise whatsoever, and you can do whatever you want, including burn Portland 123 nights in a row. Some excellent sarcasm, my friends. Well played. By the way, Russia has, this is new, Russia has requested an emergency U.N. Security Council meeting to present their evidence of Ukraine biolabs. Oh, shut up. Go ahead. Or don't. What a clown show. Well, Putin they're in ch- clown. They're- Putin clown. I'm going to start tweeting it. Russia currently chairs the those meetings, right? So I suppose they'll call one. That's right. Are they still the chair? How often does that rotate? I don't, I don't know. Not often enough. Um, you can join in the conversation any anytime you want. Do you know that? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Gas prices are going up again, and you know what that means. 
a hastily made story about it on your local 5 o'clock news. We'll start with a still shot of the gas station sign. Then someone opened up the gas tank and put the thing in. Next, we're going to do a shot of the price ticker as they fill up with gas. We'll probably just interview someone at the gas station and ask them very leading questions. I can't afford to go to the grocery store anymore. I can't afford food anymore. We'll show some more shots of the person we just interviewed showing them looking frustrated. I mean, at this point, I'm honestly thinking about maybe, you know, taking out a second mortgage on my house or selling one of my kidneys. <laughs> that is great mockery of news coverage of gas prices. How does an industry not get more creative than they have been for decades on every time gas goes up? Why do you think viewership has dropped off? Why do you think people are tuning away from me? Isn't there anybody that works at the TV stations think, how about we do something different? How about we try to come up with a different angle than what that guy just described? We'll do a close-up shot shot of the the gas pump. We'll show him sticking the thing in the hole. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or maybe, smart guy, maybe they've done the focus groups, they've done the research, and they've realized dopey is our sweet spot. Dumbed down, simple news, formulaic news, that's that's the way we get an audience. We're not going to get people who want more than that. There, the, that, that kind of story that, that was just described, which I have seen 500 times in my life, is worthless as information. Yes. It has no worth. You heard right. one woman <laughs> saying, I don't know if I can afford this anymore. Yeah, that's all you got. Right. Right. <laughs> Man on the street interviews, or in this case, man at the pump interviews. That is hilarious. Nice job by whoever that was. Yeah, that's some good sarcasm. Love it. (laughs) Love it. So how do you know a a midterm is approaching when awful failed policies are suddenly orphans? For instance, listen to this, would you? Marxist lunatic district attorney of San Francisco County, Chesa Bodine, the infamous one, has all of a sudden started charging people for stealing, for auto break-ins, for uh, for thievery, for organized thievery. Three auto burglary suspects were charged with multiple felonies by San Francisco DA Chesa Bodine on Tuesday, the latest in a series of arrests, court decisions, and political maneuvers that are distancing himself from his more progressive actions that led to him maybe being recalled in like a month, right? When exactly is the recall election? Oh, June. It's actually going to be in June. So all of a sudden, he's, he's saying, oh, these guys who break into all sorts of cars, and the one guy was also part of that giant Union Square smash and grab violent theft ring. Yeah, yeah, I think they are felons. Yeah, I think I will prosecute them. Okay, yeah, come on. Well, maybe Unbelievable. He'll just, maybe he'll do the right thing for the wrong reasons and end up, you know, if he becomes a good uh, prosecutor, then maybe he gets to keep his job. And, you know, whether whether he agrees with it or not, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, just want him to do the right thing. Well, I just that the second he survives the recall, he'll go back to his Marxist ways. Ah, I'm certain of it. Absolutely right. certain of it. Um, uh, the California Globe points out quite aptly that uh, last month San Francisco shocked the nation by successfully recalling three progressive school board members over a variety of issues. We talked about that. Um, and uh, there was another recall of uh, Board of Supervisors in a different county and that sort of thing. So they think old uh, Chessa the Marxist has has noticed this and has decided to pretend to not be a lunatic. But uh, we're on to you. We're on to you, you damned Marxist. It's like when they do a story about obesity. 
you're guaranteed guaranteed to see a, a, a video of a bunch of people walking down the street, and they've got the the video closely cropped, so you're just seeing their asses and bellies. <laughs> right, walking to and fro. <laughs> Obesity rates continue to rise, and in case and then, you've never seen a heavy person, they show several to you. <laughs> and then they'll talk to the same woman that was putting gas in her car, and she'll say, I've tried every diet there is, but I can't lose weight. And then that, that'll be your news story. There's Experts a freaking war going on. Experts believe a sedentary lifestyle plus the ready available event plus food deserts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and another shot of somebody with an enormous hind end. All right. <laughs> Oh, you know what I meant to get to? I don't. Th- How much time do we have, Michael? One minute. Uh, I wanted to tell you this story just because I'm so astounded by it. An 83-year-old serial killer who spent the bulk of her life behind bars for killing two ex-girlfriends. Well, wait a minute. It's not a lesbian. It's a dude. It's a guy who's been a guy up until quite recently, but now identifies as transgender. This person has murdered somebody, a couple of people, done a stint in jail, gotten out, murdered somebody else, did a stint in jail, they let him, her, out again. And and I'll give you two guesses what happened. Another murder. Wow. Unbelievable. So I'll, I'll tell you more about that next hour, maybe. And, and the whole referring to the murders he committed when he was a he as she. I don't Well, how does that work? Some of the numbers behind the numbers on yesterday's inflation news that you probably should know about so you can prepare to kick off Hour 3. If you miss an hour of the show, you can grab it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.